We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson Think about for a moment how you would react if you were to hear your time is short. You're not going to be around much longer. How would you live? How would that impact your life? I want you to look with me at the life of Hezekiah, one of the good kings in the history of God's people. Hezekiah was faced with the threat of death. And so in light of that, I want us to think about how we ought to face life every day. Because from my vantage point, when I think about the brevity of life, what stands out to me, make the most of every day. Live like you're dying. And so I want to begin by first talking about the fate of Hezekiah. As we think about the fate of Hezekiah, let me just begin by underscoring his dire illness. The text says in verse 1 of chapter 38, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. Many of us have been sick from time to time. Some have, no doubt, experienced grave illnesses from time to time. And then there are, no doubt, some that have been at the brink of death, only to be spared. The text tells us that Isaiah's sickness was such that he was near death. And then, if you would, note the divine instructions. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order. Historians state that at this point in time in the life of Hezekiah, he was childless. And so what the prophet is saying to him is, you need to make arrangements. You need to set your house in order. Make plans for a successor. Let me ask you this question. Are your affairs in order? Have you made a will? Have you made a living will? Do you have all of your paperwork in order? So that if something were to happen, your estate could be distributed as you see fit. Sometimes people don't have the opportunity to set their affairs in order, to set their house in order. And yet, we ought to. Because whether we like it or not, whether we come to terms with it or not, the fact is, we're not going to be here forever. At some point in time, we need to get our house in order so that at our decease, our property, 
our valuables, our trinkets, all the things that we consider to be so important to us, materially speaking, can be distributed. But now note, if you would, the fact that his death was imminent. Isaiah said not only to set your house in order, but here's why he told him to set his house in order. For you shall die and not live. Let me tell you what. If you want, to, if you want someone to get your attention, you just let them tell you you're going to die and not live. For some of us, it might be closer than we think. For others, it might be a long way off, whatever the case. The words of the Hebrew writer are still true. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that cometh the judgment. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is compared to a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. What if you went to the doctor? And your physician said to you, there's nothing I can do. You're going to die and not live. I wrote about a fellow the other day, or a while back, that battled cancer for some time. And before his death, he said, he did not want to know what stage of cancer he was in. He didn't want to know all the details, he said, because in his mind, if he knew, it would have made him more anxious. So, his objective, fight and beat it. Well, he didn't beat it. Isaiah told Hezekiah to set his house in order. He said, because you're going to die and not live. Not all of us will have the luxury of knowing when we will depart from this earth. On the chance that somebody were to tell us, that is, a physician, that our time is short, how would that impact your faith? I want you to think about that for a minute. How would it impact your faith? Would it, would it cause some concern? I think it's only natural for even the best of the best to be somewhat concerned. From the vantage point, there are material things that need to be taken care of. There are family members that we're concerned about. What about our faith? We're about to embark upon a travel, a road that we've never been on before. So it would seem to me to be natural to, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves, whether we're in the faith. I remember many years ago, a great friend of mine, whose father was an elder, his uncle was a member of the congregation that we attended when I was growing up. This man knew that he had cancer. His time was short. And so one Sunday he went forward and asked that God would forgive him of anything amiss in his life. I never will forget, my buddy said, 
that his uncle was just taking care of loose ends. Even though we're striving to live a faithful life, and striving to the best of our ability to walk in the light, no doubt, if we were to hear that death was imminent, it would be cause for reflection, wouldn't it? To simply evaluate our life, where we are, with our faith. And then, I think about those that, upon hearing news like that, would be so confident. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4? Paul knew death was on the horizon. He would be executed by Nero Caesar. And he said, the, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And then with a breath, a breath of confidence, he could say, For there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day. And I think about his words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he said, For we know. But if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul was confident. So even though death was on the horizon, Paul, with great confidence, could say, I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then I think about those that would have cause for alarm. The doctor has just given the verdict. Not going to make it. Death is looming. I think about those individuals that have delayed doing what they've needed to do for a long time. Obey the gospel. From a positive vantage point, the beauty, the silver lining is at least a person in that condition has the opportunity, the time, to make it right before it's too late. Because you see, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. To step outside this veil of existence without God, lost. Forever, forever and ever. There are folks in the church that have been unfaithful for a long time. They haven't been what they ought to be. They, like those of whom Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, they have forsaken the right way. They have been allured by the devil back into the world. And as Peter said in the long ago, the latter state is worse than the beginning. Oh, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Lost. In a lost condition. So, were we to receive news like that, where would we find ourselves? Would there be concern? Confidence? Cause for alarm? Where would you stack up? There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. It has to do with the state 
I said we would talk about the fate of Hezekiah, but now we talk about the state of Hezekiah. What about his mental outlook, his disposition after hearing such sobering news? Listen to what is said in verse 2. I want to preface reading this verse by saying that first and foremost, we see his trust in God. The Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. I had a fellow tell me one time that he was sitting in a doctor's office. The doctor said, you have cancer. And it was grave cancer. He said the first thing he did, he began to pray to God. Hezekiah was a man who trusted in God. He was one of the better kings in the history of Israel. And no doubt he was well acquainted with the words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8, when Solomon said that the Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. You see, as a child of God, you have the opportunity to pray to God in heaven, don't you? With the assurance that God not only hears your prayers, but answers them according to his will. So here is Hezekiah, and the first thing he does, he begins praying to God. Were you to hear news like Hezekiah received? Would you begin to pray? Would you get down on your hands and knees and begin to pray to Almighty God? And then, not only do we have His trust in God, but His truthfulness to God. Listen to Him in verse 3. Listen to the content of His prayer. Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. I want to ask you a question. Could you make a statement like that to God? If you were to receive news like Hezekiah, could you say to God, Lord, I want you to remember how I've walked before you in truth, with a loyal heart, and I've done what's right and good in your sight. Could you say that? Or would you have to confess, Lord, I haven't been what I ought to be. I've not been living for you. I haven't been devoting my time and talents and treasures to you. You haven't been first in my life. You've been an afterthought rather than the main thought. In my life. Is that what you're telling? Would you have the truthfulness to simply call it as it is? And then, thirdly, his tears. The latter part of verse 3 And Hezekiah wept bitterly. I think most of us, upon hearing the news of our demise, would probably weep. Well, maybe not for ourselves, but we would weep for our family members, for our friends. Maybe we would weep because there are things that we wanted to achieve, things we wanted to do. 
that will go unfulfilled. You ever thought about the fact that at some point and time in your life, you'll sleep for the last time. You'll arise from a restful night, plant your feet on the floor, and that'll be the last time you ever do it. You ever thought about the fact that at some point in time you'll say something to a friend, a family member, maybe a wife, a husband, a son, a daughter, a brother, sister. You'll say something to them and those will be the final words. Never say another thing. Not long ago, we were visiting a friend, a church family member. And I was thinking about the change of seasons. Have you seen your last fall? Have you seen your last summer? Did you know that there are some folks they won't see next spring? No, they won't see next summer. They won't see next fall. Who's next? Are you next? You think about it. At some point in time, the end's coming. And you'll bid adieu to this world and all the people that you love in this world. The things that you enjoy, the things that you do on a daily basis will be but a distant memory. At some point in time, you'll spend your last day at school, your last day at work. When will, it, when will the end come for you? We talk about the state of Hezekiah, the fate of Hezekiah, and the date of Hezekiah. First, I want you to see that there was a response to his supplication. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. Note that. God said, I have heard your prayer. Every faithful child of God who lifts, a vo lifts his or her voice in prayer to God is heard. God said, I have heard your prayer. And then, note if you would, I have seen your tears. Audibly, God heard him. Visibly, God saw him. There is not a tear you shed in this life that God is not mindful of. There is not a prayer you utter on earth that God doesn't hear. And so, God responds to his prayer. Note, if you would, the continuation. He said, I've seen your tears, and I will add to your days 15 years. 15 years is an eternity. If you think you're going to check out of this world in a month or two months or three months. 15 glorious years. Listen, if you would, just very quickly to a couple of statements made by Hezekiah. Drop down and look in verse 10. You think about hearing the news that your life is coming to a crashing halt. And so Hezekiah said, 
these words. In the prime of my life, I will go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. Verse 12, my lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. Think about a shepherd putting his tent up and taking it down. I'm in the prime of my life, and yet I know it could be gone today, it could be gone tomorrow. And some of us, it might be the case that our reaction would be like Hezekiah. We would say, in the prime of my life, I'm being cut down. When is the prime of your life? I guess when you're 20, you're in the prime of your life. If you're 50, you're in the prime of your life. If you're 70, you're in the prime of your life, aren't you? It's relative. But note, if you would, his recovery from sickness. The Bible says in verse 9, he uttered these words, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. Verse 21, Isaiah said to him, Take a lump of figs, apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. Had to be the sweetest news of all to know that his life had been spared. So in light of that, there is what I would call a revival of his spirit. In verse 15, he said, I shall walk carefully all my years. Live every day like you're dying because the truth of the matter is you might die. You don't know. Whether young or old, you just don't know. So you have to make every single day count. Now think about our faith. Sometimes we treat our faith recklessly, carelessly, negligently. If you thought you were dying today, would you take better care of your, of your faith? Would it mean more to you? Don't you think you would want to make sure that you're living in harmony with the will of God, that you're growing in grace and knowledge, as Peter talked about in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18? Don't you think that you would want to build up an arsenal of Scripture in your heart? That you'd want to be praying to God on a daily basis so when the end comes, like Paul, you could say, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You're not scared. You're not fearful. You're not afraid to die. Matter of fact, you welcome it. Because as Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ, far better. If I live, wonderful. If I die, even better. Why? Because I can go home and be with God. Would you take better care of your faith? If you thought today was the last day of your life, would you be back tonight? Be honest. If you thought you were going to check out of this world at midnight tonight, where would you be at 6 o'clock tonight? Where would you be? Would you be back here? I bet you wouldn't be home in front of the television set, would you? You wouldn't be in Macy's tonight at 6 o'clock, would you? No, I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be right here. You'd be right back here tonight. Why? Because today's the last day. You really think you want to go and meet God? Having had an opportunity to meet with His saints, to commune with Him and worship, and you're going to spend time in the department store? 
You're going to go play basketball? You're going to go work out at a gym? You really think that's what you're going to do? Not a chance. I'll tell you what, this building would be filled to capacity. You'd be back. That's why you need to live like you're dying. Because you might. What about your family? How would you treat your family? Would you treat them better than you do now? If you're a husband and you're a dictator in the home and you run roughshod over your wife and you mistreat her, would you change? Would you want to stand before God tonight and tell God I haven't been a spiritual leader in the home? I haven't loved my wife as I love Christ and the church? Is that how you want to meet God? As a wife, would you treat your husband any differently? Would you love him more? Would you love your children more? Would you spend time with them more than you do today? Let me tell you what. If your children are young, they'll be old before you know it. Be gone before you know it. You better use your time wisely. You cross ways with a family member. You're mad at them. You've been angry with them. You haven't, you haven't rectified things, reconciled things. You better make it right. If this were your last day, are there some people that you'd need to get on the telephone with and say, you know what, we've been crossways, and I did this or I said this, and I want you to forgive me. What about a friend, a co-worker, a classmate? You at odds with somebody like that? Don't you think you'd want to meet God knowing that no hard feelings, no animosity, no bitterness, wrath? If you thought today were your last day, we talk about living like you're dying. You tell your wife you love her. You tell your husband you love him. How much, how much do you tell your children, I love you? I care about you. Would you tell them that? Would you tell a friend, I love you, like a brother, like a sister? Hezekiah was blessed. God graciously added 15 years to his life. You may have 15 years. You may just have five. You might just have five months. You might have 50 years. But here's what you need to think about. You need to live every day like you're dying. Because here's the bottom line. At some point in time, think about this. At some point in time, you'll come to worship for the last time. You'll come to Bible study for the last time. At some point in time, you will drive your automobile and park it for the last time. At some point in time, you'll clock out at your job for the last time. At some point in time, you'll say good night for the last time or good morning. So you better be living like you're dying because at some point in time, you're going to die. Now the good news is you can live every day like you're dying. The positive is make every day count. And what's most important, make sure that your life is in harmony with this book. 
If you'll do that, then that tells me you're sitting on go. You're ready to go day or night. I close by asking you this question. Let's just say that today, today's it. You'll not see the clock one second past midnight. It's your last day. If today were your last day, would you need to be baptized into Christ? If you haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I would strongly encourage you to do that. If you're here today and you're unfaithful to the cause, I would strongly urge you to come forward as we stand and sing in just a moment. Could be your last invitation. Last time you'll ever hear somebody say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Maybe the last time you'll ever hear somebody plead with you to confess your faults one to another. I hope this isn't your last time, but if it were, and you're not where you need to be, don't leave here today without making it right. It'll be too late someday. Better make it right today. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.